Hi everyone, I'm Jason Klepa and welcome back to another episode of the Business of Fitness podcast. On today's episode, we are going to speak about the Northern California Classic with Ben Alderman and Blair Morrison. A couple months ago, Ben reached out and said, hey, we're bringing back a competition to Northern California. We'd love to share with you. I said, awesome. And then they sent me this video, got me all fired up. Now, as you guys know, regionals have changed. And before that, they had these, you know, sectionals and online, all types of things. But there's been a lot of change in the CrossFit Games in the last, you know, six months or so. And this competition, I think, is going to be really cool for those gym owners that are up here in the Bay Area. So if you're in the Bay, if you're in the San Francisco area, definitely take a listen. For those of us who aren't in the Bay Area, no problem. Ben and Blair dive into why they decided to take on a larger competition what it's like to balance having a gym and having families, and what they've learned over the years doing both. Before we dive into the episode, just want to let you know, if you're a gym owner out there and you're looking for you know outsourcing your session plans and your programming, I believe we offer the best at NC Fit with our custom app and with our team of experts. If you'd like to check it out, simply email collective at nc.fit. Well, guys, I hope you enjoy this episode. Hope you get a chance to check out the Northern California Classic. This is going to be a great event over the summer. And as you know, right, it's coming back again in California. We will be having the Del Mar, you know, instead of regionals, it will be a sanctional. That's going to be super exciting for all of us in California. But this event is actually coming up in a couple of months. So I hope you guys get fired up as I am. I hope you guys are all having a phenomenal day. And let's keep rising the tides. All right, guys. So we are here with Ben and Blair. We are going to dive into... The Northern California Classic. So I was super intrigued by this. I got I got connected. I was talking to Ben the other day and he's like, hey, we're, we're doing a competition. I said, oh, and we're going to kick it back old school. And I was like, all right, that's interesting. Then he sends me this video and I got fired up. That's this right. video that they did was excellent. And um, I got I to gotta show you guys. We'll put it in the show notes. But um, anyways, so I invited Ben and Blair here because I really want to dive into why they decided to start a competition and what they've learned so far in the experience, because they are also our gym owners, as I mentioned in the introduction, and I've known them for a long time. So I guess I'll start here, and either one of you guys can answer it. How did this miraculous idea to start a f- competition come come to mind? Well, I'll start with like a like an overview, like a a thirty thousand foot view, or maybe even higher than that. The reason why I'm sitting in this room right now is because we've all competed together. Right. Yeah. Like that's the main reason that we connected. Yeah. It's the main way that we formulate a relationship. And it's the, it's a, we were just talking about business before this and we were kind of bouncing around, but the place where everybody's equal is on the competition floor. It's what can you show me? What can you do right now? And it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your, um, financial outlook is. It doesn't matter any of that stuff. It doesn't matter what you, where you came from. It literally just matters what can you show me. And I think that's the pure thing about competition that I love and that when I have an opportunity to bring that to the people I care about, whether it be my region or my gym or whatever, I'm always going to try to do that. Right. And Ben and I have been running local competitions at at our affiliates for the last eight years. Right. You know, and like just small scale. And, you know, the competitive landscape. Not that small, bro. We're doing pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> the competitive <laughs> landscape in CrossFit kind of allowed for that, right? Allowed for that small, small scale, right? Local competition to be run. But the big deal, the big stuff, there's only a few of those out there, right? And, and regionals and the games took precedent. That's where people dedicated their whole training year around, whether they were 
you know, aspiring open athletes or aspiring regional athletes, or, or maybe even the elite trying to get to the games. Like they built their whole year around the, you know, the early spring into summer. And so none of us hosted competitions during that time frame because of that. Cause we were all focused on that too. Like regionals was the thing. Right. right? And you know that yeah. regionals was the thing, it, especially with regionals. It was like a localized thing, which I think was so special. And I'm, and I'm honestly sorry to see it go. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so intrigued with what you guys are doing. Because I remember when the, when the regionals were at the, um, Santa, um, Cliff. Santa Rosa Fairgrounds. Oh, yeah, yeah. Remember that? 2013, 14, 13, 14. It was just so cool because you. it brought the gyms together that was from the local area mm-hmm. and it felt a lot more grassroots. Mm-hmm. And so the vision for you guys. Well, and if you notice that video too, we posted a lot of the older footage. Yeah. Right. Because that's what we wanted to feel. Yeah. You guys want to kind of bring it back. And so tell me like, but why go with like a big competition? So if you're a gym owner out there listening to this and you have your gym and you have your, you know, a couple hundred members, whatever it is. Why not doing something internally in your gyms? Why did you decide to do something bigger? What was the what was the motivation there? The motivation was in October when Glassman announced that he was taking regionals away. Yeah. Because that's that's the the big, the high level, the large scale competition that everybody built towards. You know, even though ours for the last three years has been down in Southern California, like we still built for that. And now that's gone. And then it made us realize that we haven't had something that scale in our backyard since 2014 when it was at San Jose. And now they're saying we don't even have one in California. We got to go to Miami for something like this or Dubai. Like that's all that's available. And that's like, that's not good enough, you know? So we're like, okay, somebody's going to do it. We, at least in Sacramento, like we're, we're pillars of the, of the fitness community in Sacramento. This is the state's capital. It's, why, why don't we do this? We know how to do it. We know how to run an event. We have all the connections within the, within the industry to do it. And the fact that we have history, you know, at regionals, like you said, like the, the stuff that people, especially around here where the game started in Aromas, like there's a lot of nostalgia yeah. built into CrossFit. The community is cultish and it hangs on to like the, the OG past. And I think that's something that we we knew we could rally people around. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, I told you guys, I think the Open this year, the Open starts tomorrow. And I'm really, you know, just, yeah, just everything's oh, just man. changed, right? It's not and changed. It's yeah. really tough for me because I think for a lot of people, the Open season, especially leading to regionals, even if you're kind of like on the fringe of qualifying for regionals, you still feel like there might be a chance that you can get there, right? And yeah. Now that's gone. And so I don't know if as many people are as excited about the opening because there's no people in the gym that are maybe going to be at regionals, maybe not. And, and, I, and I just think for a lot of people, Christmas time was the open time. And now I'm afraid they're going to lose that. And that's, that's really unfortunate. Right. Like what are those people, what's the motivation for a, an affiliate owner to rally their community around the open, right? You don't have anybody in your gym, unless you're the top 20 in the world, like your gym is now not producing anything out of that open competitively. Right. You have the community obviously doing workouts and that's fun. That's all great. But that's, it's a lot more similar to your every night, your every day at the gym community doing the workouts than it was before. Well, and I think what you're bringing up is an interesting point too, is that as a gym owner, you're going to have to start deciding which events do I want to support as a gym? Because if we're doing an online open, right? Well, then Wadapalooza has one, Dubai has one. Maybe in this case, your guys' competition will have one. And the gyms, I think, nearest that area might be more attracted to do that online open because there is a potential shot for their athletes to go into that event, which I think is really cool, 
Right. And they can go attend the event without incurring huge travel costs and they can drive there. Yeah, which so, is huge. Yeah. I think the other side of it too is, and you go back to like October, you know, if I'm sitting next to Blair and we just read this announcement that, hey, there's no more regionals. And you read, Glassman said he lost somewhere in the neighborhood of a million dollars doing the South America regional. Is I think that's the number that we... Yeah, in Brazil. In Brazil. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you lose a million dollars at that competition now that we're running a competition with more <laughs> athletes than that. You know what I mean? Here, I know that there are certain... But how do you lose a million dollars... We're not going to spend anywhere near that. Yeah. You know, I don't understand how that works. I'm like what? looking at Blair and I just go, we can do this for a lot less than a million dollars, bro. Yeah. yeah and, and time only tell. I mean, as something gets bigger, it gets a little bit out of control. You can only imagine the expense account that some people at HQ had for those types sure. of events. Yep. But for your event now, where are you guys trying to have it hosted at? In, San, in Santa, uh, Sacramento? <laughs> the coolest spot. Yeah. It's uh, along the Sacramento River, right? Basically, if, if you look at Sacramento, there's... The city of downtown Sacramento, which is on the east side of the Sacramento River. And then there's the city of West Sacramento on the west side. So we're going to do it on the banks of West Sacramento on the on the river. And you have the whole skyline just right it's there. It's an outdoor event? All outdoor. Very cool. And then, um, and when, when is the date of the event? June 28th, 29th, and 30th. And online, ch- uh, online qualifier. qualifier happens sometime in April? Right. First week of April. First week okay. of April. And April while we're 1st. on the subject, where could people, if you're listening right now and, and they could screenshot whatever, where would where could they go right now if they wanted more information about your guys' competition? Uh, the website is thenorcalclassic.com. Woo. And so now if you're if you're a gym and you're in Southern California, can you still participate in your open event? Oh yeah. Absolutely. In your in your online challenge? Yeah. yeah. Excellent. And then um, you guys will be able to host that. What how you guys are you guys creating a website for that? How does that work? Because as a gym owner out there who's looking to start a competition, what we've done in the past is used like a Wattify, um, I think they call it like, it's like a, some Wattify right. sure. competition setup. Wad Rocket. Are, are, you guys, are you guys creating your own uh, website? Oh, hell no. no, no, no. no. We, have a, we have a website for information. It's like a landing page that will direct you towards the things that you need. But as far as like the, the leaderboard and, yeah. platform and like registration and money intake, all that stuff, that's all done through a uh, third party. So like competition corner, competition corners, they handle Wadapalooza and yeah, you know, they'll be able to do that for you guys. Yeah. And so when you guys, you know, you guys have known each other for how many years now? 2012, 11. Yeah. Probably 2011. So like, almost. I think it was right after you finished is the year you got fifth. Was it the year there was the beach run Yeah. and then 50, 100, 150 beach run. Yeah. Okay. So we knew each other before that, just before that. Yeah. So like two, like eight years. Right. And so, you know, you guys are gym owners, and how far are your guys' gyms from each other? Uh, our closest gyms are about seven miles, eight miles, probably downtown from Natomas. Yeah. Something like eight, that? Yeah, probably like that. So I have I have three, two in like the eastern suburbs of Sacramento and one right downtown, and Ben has two in uh, like north Sacramento and then also in Woodland. So we kind of occupy different territory areas. within the and they're very neighborhood specific yeah. yeah and so she's kind of shifting gears a little bit from the competition we'll come back to that but i want to just kind of talk about affiliates mm-hmm. what made you guys both decide to go from one gym uh, whether long term that'll be a crossfit affiliate or it'll be a gym, who knows right what the future will hold but what made you guys decide to go from one location to a second location when did you guys know that was the right idea and was it the right idea i'm, I'm curious about that um, I'll go first. So I've had my original affiliate since 2011 and it's 
6,000 square foot facility. It's got about 200 members, solid, strong. It's been great. It's like a flagship location. And then I had a second location that has since closed. My third location that is still open. And then we had we have a fourth location that is still open. So I have three now. One failed, one struggles, and two, one, one kills it. And then the other one does just fine. The decision for me to go to two was... It probably was too soon. I did it too soon the first time because the first one wasn't strong enough on its own yet. I should have developed it further, but it felt like if I didn't do it, somebody else would. Yeah. Right? So that's what I kind of got in a rush to expand because I didn't want somebody else to like take my Creep territory. And, yeah. and so I just want to take a quick pause for a second. If you're a gym owner out there and you've been thinking about opening up a second location, I do think one of the main reasons that I hear is, hey, I saw an opportunity. I thought if I didn't take it, someone else would maybe a really great space opened up, who knows, right? Right. But there's a lot of risk that's associated with that if you don't feel like you're ready because did you not, what what factors was it that you think made that second location unsuccessful and what could people learn from? Was it staffing? Was it financial? Did you not have the financial means to float it for long enough? What no, was, the, what was no. the kicker? It was demographics. Like we opened it in a place that didn't have enough people to support multiple gyms. And there was oh, I remember what you were talking about. In Eldorado Hills. Eldorado Hills location. Yeah. Yeah, that was just kind of stuck off in the middle of nowhere. Right. There wasn't great real estate. We just opened it up. The rent was cheap. Like it was easy to stay afloat there, but it wasn't easy to thrive because the the immediate like uh, residential population was low. You know, it was only like I think 15,000 people that lived in that area and there was already two other CrossFit gyms there. And there wasn't an actual neighborhood within about a mile of that no. space yeah. it, like you know certain places they have like all industrial stuff yeah put off in a park you know industrial park so away, so, so looking back on it and then you were able to get out of that situation and yeah. so if you could give yourself any advice at that point what would you have said just just hey it seems like a good opportunity but do what what would you have said to yourself to help you alleviate that that burden just do the numbers, man. Like you got to know that 15,000 residents is not enough to support three CrossFit gyms unless you're in like, you know, Scandinavia where everybody does CrossFit. <laughs> or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so you think you could have just looked at the baseline numbers, yeah. kind of evaluated and said, hey, this like, probably wasn't the best. Like Blair. Know. All right. I know you think that your program is better than these other programs maybe and that you think that you'll still survive and thrive, but like just the numbers don't pencil out, you know? I mean, it's one of the reasons why um, I mean, anybody talks about like location, 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 right? You need visibility, but you need bodies. Like in the Bay area, how many people live here? Yeah. Lots. Just a gazillion. Yeah. Because yeah. You, there's going to be a everywhere. certain amount of people that are interested in what you're providing. Right. Then obviously you need to let them know you're available. Right. And so kind of shifting gears a little bit. I think that was a really good um, perspective, by the way. And I appreciate that. So Ben, you've opened up now. You have two locations, mm -hmm. but you had a third. I did have three. And you did a club in club, which we've done before. Mm -hmm. And our experience, I think, was a little bit different than your experience. But, you know, from what made you decide to go from one location to two? And then what did you learn even going from two to three? I mean, yeah. and what does that even look like? Yeah. So um, for me, I went from one to two because our gym was doing well. You know, had the the numbers that, you know, Blair's talking about and it backed it up. Financially, you're making it. You're providing, you know, a good job for your staff. And, you know, you're you're providing for yourself. And you're like, man, well, I could probably just do this again and just have another location. And I think what I did was um, was premature as well. And I think that the reason why mine was premature and has been premature is because uh, 
I didn't really fully fully realize what made me successful at my location. My location, I feel like, is extremely dependent on, um, or at least in the past, was dependent on me mm. being there and being a very present gym owner. And then starting something else, I was too fractured, you know, not able to really give it the type of attention it needed. And so when I look back at that, what I didn't have in place that a lot of really good businesses do have, and I'm good enough at at business to a um, understand what I lack and it's systems and those systems in place that, that certain people, individuals and corporations have make it replicatable and scalable. When, when the system is me, Mm. I only have so much time, energy and effort to pour into a second location. When it comes to my third location, um, I did that club in club and that looked really appealing to me because I had a chance to, uh, work together with one of my friends. Um, and both of us have different visions as far as what fitness is. And we thought that it would work really well if we, we came together. But what we didn't have enough of, again, was a system and structure because neither one of us are systems guys. It wasn't like it was, we have two different ideas, but one of us is a system guy and makes this really great symbiotic relationship. It was like, hey, two non-systems guys with two different ideas, that would probably can coexist. And we were, we were cool. And even when we dissolved, we were like, hey, we're still cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was texting with them today. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, so, so, I mean, that's a really big, I really appreciate both your guys' feedback because you're kind of being, I don't want to use the word vulnerable, but you're actually just sharing insight that like, I agree with you, um, Ben, when we first start our business, you know, it's highly dependent on us. And unless you create those systems, unless you create those procedures, it's hard to replicate. There's a reason why kind of corporate structure is the way it is. And it was hard for me to realize that at first, you know, but when you bring in people and they say, Hey, what is, what's the, you know, front desk procedures, what's the opening procedures, what's the, you know, cancellation process. Like, uh, well, I do this, 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 you know? (laughs) (laughs) And so now something that we've been doing, and this is advice to any gym owner out there is that every single thing we do, we document it so that if that person leaves, they could just hand the documents right over to somebody else. And that's something that people could do today, right? Is that if you're doing something, document how you do it. So that if, or when you want to take time off and go to the Bahamas with your wife or whatever, you could hand over that packet. And there's something that people can go off of is, mm-hmm. is an easy thing they can start doing today. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, both of you guys have your gyms going on. Both of you guys have families, right? I mean, Ben, you have four kids. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Um, and don't and, got three under three though. That's true. I don't have three under three. You have three under three. I well, when yeah, we have a six month old, a two year old, and a three and a half year old. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So you guys both have many of kids. We have a zoo between us. For yeah, sure. yeah. You, you guys have a, a full car for yeah. sure. <laughs> and you have the gyms, right? Multiple locations for both of you. Right. And now you're deciding to take on this competition. So when you guys decided to, to, to take this on, right. And I think this is a really interesting conversation. How are you guys planning to balance? Like, have you guys just found really good people in your gyms that can help manage that? Or have you been able to find a way to maybe this won't take up as much time as you assumed, or you, you think until you get to the venue, what made you think that, Hey, you got the gyms at the family, why the competition? And I know that the reasons we spoke about, but like, do you think that that's setting you up for success and how are you going to segment out your day? So I'll say for sure, I wouldn't be able to do it unless, so when we took on our now third location, we purchased it from an existing gym, right? And that's the only way, if I'm talking to anybody who's in a developed CrossFit market, I would not recommend you trying to open a gym from scratch anymore. The only way I would take on another location is if I'm purchasing it from somebody else who Mm -hmm. already has a member base, who already has an equipment, who wants to let, wants basically, they want out 
for whatever reason, I can come in and I can I can fix the problems that they have, or I can I can pass on it. But I wouldn't try to start from scratch. Now, when you bought this most recent gym for out of curiosity, yeah, how did you evaluate it? Uh, I did a basic like inventory evaluation on that, and then their monthly monthly membership revenue. And did, what and did you put like I don't know like what was a do you have like a baseline uh, multiplier you put on it, or how did you do that for what they wanted to value it at? Yeah, like, I mean, so like, I value like, like if it came in at uh, they made. $20,000 a year annually. Did you put a multiplier on it or just give them like the... Yeah, how did you do that? I'm just curious for anybody who's looking to go buy another gym. I mean, <clears throat> what I did as the, as the buyer yeah. is I said, your gym is worth your equipment and that's it. Right. Right. Now, what they said was, well, we have we have these these members that are on month-to-month contract and here's their their pedigree that they've, they've, they've been paying for this amount. I'm like, okay, so we'll give you a couple thousand extra bucks for those people. Right. But for the most part, the gym was worth the equipment. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting topic that it's yeah. worth the equipment. It's worth maybe something if you have like a really great lease, maybe that has some value to it. Right. And then some of the members. But I do think a lot of times CrossFit gyms in particular, you know, the owner gets passionate. And I think that they overestimate the value of what their business is worth. Unless you've got like year long contracts where the members are going to keep paying. Like someone, a buyer is going to come in and look at it and be like, yeah, yeah but what's going to stop them from not paying next month? Right. And it's nothing. Right. So anyways, I, we purchased that gym and it's been going really, really well in downtown. And when I did that, I knew that having three locations, I like what Ben was saying, I could not be at all three. So I hired good general managers at all three locations. And that actually scaled back my workload considerably where I was going from coaching, you know, even like a year and a half ago, I was still probably coaching 25 to 30 hours a week. Wow. After um, like years and years and years. Yeah, yeah. I was still doing it because I loved it. You yeah. Know? But then with kids, priorities change. And so now I scale back and I coach probably between 10 and 15 hours a week. And I spread myself around. So I'm doing um, administrative stuff at all three locations. So when this opportunity came up to do this competition and Ben and I were talking about it, I was like, dude, I got the bandwidth. Yeah. I got it. Because right now things are things are humming. I feel really good about the people that, are running the facilities. I don't have to be there all the time. I can devote the mental energy and the time to build out whatever it is we need to build out. And how'd you find those good people that you put on? Because I mean, I know you and I have talked about this in the past, but finding a good manager for those locations, what did you do? How'd you find them? They've been coaches with me for a really long time. So they, they came from within and obviously not everybody that's a coach can be a manager, right? It's different skill sets, but the way our business has, has grown. We had like 20 to 25 coaches on staff. Wow. Yeah. And from among those people, there were, there were three that were qualified. Stood out and then you gave them opportunity. Gave them and wanted responsibility, you know, didn't have, um, they had like part-time jobs or personal trainers. So like it fits with their lifestyle, right. To be a more of a full-time person. Right. Well, I I think, and, and, and so for this competition, so Ben, what's the vision for the competition? Like in, talk me through, like if I show up to your event, what are you visioning it being? Is it like the CrossFit games? Is it like, what is it? What's the vision there? Yeah. Well, I think that, um, you know, I have to give some credit to, uh, the first guy I talked to about like large scale competitions. That was Guido. And that was probably gosh, way back at like the 2014 or 2015 CrossFit games. We did an interview with him right. on our podcast. Um, and he just talked about how he looked at a competition from 
from multiple different angles. One, as a, as a spectator, was it spectator friendly? Mm-hmm. And did it really value um, what they were going to experience and take in and see? So was it aesthetically pleasing? Was there entertainment? Was it set up right? You know? Um, and then there was the other side of it, which is for the volunteers. Right. Right. You what is their experience like? What is their experience like? And then there's also the athlete perspective. And so making sure that you're checking all those boxes. When you walk in, if you're competing, you're going to have like a great experience. You're going to be checked in. You're going to be um, shown where your athlete area is. You're going to be given your warm-up area and all those different things that you would expect at a normal competition, right? Whether it be your, you know, I mean, we've got Reebok on as a, as a title sponsor. I mean, whether it be your clothing that's issued to you. Uh, and then if you come in as a spectator and you just want to walk around, you're like, man, it's a cool place. There's food here, there's drinks here, there's entertainment here. There's shade here. There's shade here. There's fun people, you know, uh, there's fit people walking around working out here. So you're going to feel really good. And then as a a volunteer who's somebody who's going to be spending your time with us, like part of our merch budget is going to be going towards those volunteers who are a part of it, you know. And it's not just one company or or two companies. We're going to try to find everybody who comes a part of it is going to become, you know, really just taken care of. And so... The idea is to to really have it be kind of like a festival. And the other thing is it's not – we don't want this to be confined to CrossFit. Like one of the things we liked about what Wadapalooza was trying to do is he – and it's still at its core, it's a CrossFit competition, whatever, you know. I mean, we can't call it officially a CrossFit competition, but you know what I mean. It's a competitive fitness competition. But one of the things we're going to do is we're going to have, you know, we're going to have a 5K that's open to the public – Right, but the athletes are also going to compete in. Oh, okay. So you have like these, you you have the potential. I think there's a lot of potential for this sort of an outdoor event that centers around competitive fitness, to, to bring in like you has that center core, but you have all these other right. fragments that kind Some of different are, spokes that come yeah, into exactly. it. Exactly. I mean, I just signed up for a half marathon. Actually, the rock and roll half marathon, April seventh. Is that in Vegas? Like, no, it's it's in San Francisco, oh. and. But that's a really interesting perspective. And I think back to what Guido was saying, like looking at it from different lenses, I think that's incredible. Because I mean, I used to look at it in my perspective, like volunteers are busting their ass and they need to be treated well. And then I've been a spectator and I've also been a competitor. And I think those all play a role, (laughs) especially as a competitor. You want people to get excited to come back in years for the future years. You want them to feel like they're just kind of like not being treated. And there's a, there's a fourth perspective also. And that's, that's the vendors and sponsors. Mm. Are they getting the ROI? Are they, are they, are they getting value for their dollars? Are, do they feel like they are, uh, appreciated? One of the things that I would criticize Wadapalooza on this year is like, yes, they doubled their revenue. They crushed on that side of it. But a lot of the vendors got, you know, didn't have as great an experience because maybe there were five or six competing like brands within their within their niche you know they didn't there's definitely unequal it was more uh, like an expo where you let right. anybody come in from you know like all yeah. the protein companies and all of this and yeah. all of whatever and so, so are you guys going to limit that at, at this event are you guys going to limit we'll have how options many, for that you'll so. have like only one sponsor for protein one sponsor for this are you going to have multiple uh no we, we we there is a potential for there to be multiple but if you are a high-paying sponsor and you want to be the only one, you can be the only one. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. get that. You know? There's exclusivity at the uh, top tier and second tier, I believe. And I don't. And we put limits on the number of total vendors that we want at the at the event. Yeah, because you don't want to kind of be like a. You want to be about the athletes, about the spectators, having a great experience. And so, and I don't want some some guy who paid his you know thousand bucks to be there 
stuck way at the far end where nobody goes. Right. Because like, it's it's like you can't even like blow a whistle and hear it. Like that sucks. Yeah. You, know? you yeah, you want to you want to drive return for the for the vendors. I think that's a really interesting perspective on it to keep it sustainable. So I have to ask, you know, you brought it up, so I'm gonna just ask. You said you can't use the word crosswalk because it's not um an official quote license event. Right. Now for for sanctionals, I, that fee's you know somewhere in the range of fifty to one hundred fifty thousand, whatever. Right. right. It depends who it goes to. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever yeah, we get right. that. But for but for using the CrossFit likeness, like in the brand, that's a new thing that they came out with. Um, you know, on some right podcast or whatever, they came out with the idea that you could license just the name for the competition. Are you guys going to be doing that or or not? We want to. We want eventually to. get there. I think this year. Our goal well, it's is- possible. They don't have like a procedure necessarily. I've, I've been in email contact with headquarters about getting licensed, right? Which is different than being sanctioned. Right. Sanctioned gives the winner the path to the games. Licensed is basically just gives you, like you said, the legal ability to use the name CrossFit. So we don't know what that costs and we don't know, but we want, we want that. We want this to be, we don't want to be trying to like undercut CrossFit, right? We, we love CrossFit. We have CrossFit affiliate owners and like we want, we know that, any legitimate fitness competition that we want to be kind of thought of as has had CrossFit elements, right? So that's our goal. We would love to be licensed. We would love to eventually be sanctioned as long as the games are here. Now, who knows what the future is going to be? And I think that we have the opportunity with our region and our community to build an event that could stand alone, that wouldn't, if CrossFit decides, hey, we don't want to do competitive fitness anymore. Right. We just want to do right methodology i'm cool with that and i think we could still have there's still an appetite for competitive fitness with or without the name but right now as it stands like crossfit's legitimacy you know that we want the best crossfit athletes the best fitness athletes in the world to come to our event so if that's if it's on the table yeah i i want us to be sanctioned by crossfit i love it i I put like a little like uh asterisk Asterisk. Yeah, yeah there where you know i i do think that you know, if I have to talk about CrossFit, I'm going to talk about it in a really positive light because of what they've done over the years. Where I feel like they're sitting now is in this kind of like turbulent water where I'm just not sure what they're going to do. So I'm not like so excited to have the CrossFit name or branding on our event. Uh, and not in a way of undercutting, but as a way of saying, hey, I'm just in a wait and see. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm in a wait and see. And I think that CrossFit version one, is kind of gone and done with and CrossFit version two, whatever they bring forth, I'm excited to see what it is. And I feel like that's what I want to pay towards. I want to pay $50,000 or $85,000 towards whatever CrossFit version two is. I don't want to pay $50,000 because I'm hanging on to what CrossFit version one has been, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm just in this. Yeah. And time will, time will only tell, you know, like how's the open going to go? I don't know. How's region or how's, how's the games? I don't know. We'll we'll see. Yeah. Um, I'd like to, I I personally this is like just to finish off this thought and Ben and I have talked about this a ton. Like I think what CrossFit is trying to do by getting rid of regionals and like basically opening up this mid-level event, mid to large scale event to the to the market, I think is the right call. Like I think long term for the long term survival and, and like development of the sport, I think it's the right call. I just and I think everybody was a little frustrated with the manner in which it was done. It just felt like it was a little bit rushed, a little bit without plan. And I know that the first couple of years are going to be rough. 
And it's because change is always rough. And we have, we have this nostalgia of all these great athletes and these great events that we've witnessed and been a part of. But you look at any individual sport that's developed and, and thriving with major money, and that's what this is about. How do athletes make more money? How can we right. become a professional athlete? It's not run by one entity. There is a certifying body that runs the PGA Tour. There's a certifying body that runs NASCAR, right? That that, that runs the the tennis the tennis tournaments around the world. Right? Even the NFL team. is like has the NFL, you know, uh, commission, right? And then they have teams everywhere else that kind of run themselves. But the only way you can really generate a, a season that athletes can can really profit from is to allow third party companies like ours to run their own event, get their own sponsorship dollars, get their own TV deals, eventually live stream, you name it. Right. So what CrossFit, I think what CrossFit knew it needed to do is stop losing money at the regional level, right? If, if, if they're losing money, I believe them, you know, cause it's, it's expensive and they had a ton of media there that costs a lot, but opening it up gives the sport a chance to thrive long-term. It's just going to be ugly until they figure out exactly what the rules are. And that's what we're, that's what we need. It just seems like a weird thing though, to make their say, Hey, you know what? Regionalities go away. What goes in this place? is the sanctional events and we're going to charge this much money to a, a model that's not yet even proven. Yeah. Right? It's going to be tough for, to see if any of these guys are going to get the return on their investment for a fifty, hundred thousand dollars license. And eventually, you know, where I get nervous and I agree with you, Blair, like I think that there needed to be changed. I think the way it was done was not professional, but I think one of the things I think is really, really important to understand is like, Dude, I mean, a lot of what they're talking about is, you know, the mark, right? This this CrossFit mark, right? And you pay a license fee right. for this. You pay a license fee for that. But if you if the value isn't there for the for the for the provider of this competition, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, they might not end up deciding that they can't license again. They they won't want to be a sanctional. Who knows? Right. Well, the only value that they have is the games, right? That's the carrot. You okay? You're going to pay $50,000 or whatever it is to be sanctioned. The only reason that's valuable, because CrossFit's not providing you judges. It's not providing you a rule book. It's not providing you any of that things to help you run your event. What it's providing you is an incentive for the best athletes to show up. That's it. So if all the best athletes, and here's, here's the risk, right? CrossFit could overplay their hand here big time. If the athletes start showing up because they want to make a living, it's not going to matter if they go to the games or not, right? Unless mm -hmm. the games... Unless they come up with some way to increase the prize purses by having that sanction, sanctioned value there, I think long-term, it is going to look a lot more like professional golf where you have like the Masters, you have the US Open, you have the PGA Tour, the PGA Championship. These big, big money events that have the most prestige, that's where all the athletes want to go, right? And maybe the games remains one of those or maybe it doesn't. Yeah. You know how they got those those events is through sponsorship dollars, big money sponsors. Like, I don't. I mean, I oh. feel like we're kind of in a place where CrossFit HQ might have created burned, a little yeah, of disloyalty. Some, yeah, you yeah. Know? And I think these are all really valid points. Well, I think at the end of the day, what I'm most excited about through this conversation is that. I think you guys shine some light as a gym owner on a few different things. I think that it's really cool that you guys want to keep the ethos and the heart of what CrossFit was or is to you guys, right? And you got to bring that competition back to Sacramento area. And I think that if you're a gym owner in the Sacramento area or the Northern California area, 
I'm excited to go out. I, I think it'll be a really cool event. It'll be a good opportunity to get to get back to the roots of where where we originally kind of started this thing from. And so I encourage all of you guys to go check out um, your guys' website. And you guys the have North an Instagram Classic. for right? Yeah, Northern California Classic. It's Northern underscore California underscore Classic on Instagram. Mm. On Instagram, a little long, but Northern California Classic. You search, you'll find it. And so if they want to know, so I, I think we're going to direct you guys there. Obviously, you can go, you know, check out Blair Morris. You can go check out um, Ben Alderman. But I also think, I think the big key thing is that these are two guys doing something that's super exciting that I'm really excited about. And uh, I hope you guys get a chance to to go um, check it out. I know we're, we're all rooting for you guys. I hope that we go there and it's just a kick-ass event. I'm sure it will be. Awesome. You know what's fun about, about developing this event from scratch huh. is that we can take the things like we talked about what we liked about regionals, but there's also a lot of things we didn't like about regionals, like programming wise, because it was, it had its ulterior motive to get people ready for the games. Right. And it had to balance the, the kind of cardio stuff from the open and test like the heavy stuff at regionals, like the way Castro always did it. Like we don't have to adhere to any of that. Like, Oh we, yeah. We're programming it. Like it is the games. Yeah. If you want to like a, a final thought on that event to leave you with, it is, it's like the sickest program three-day event you've ever seen in your life. Oh, that's a, all right. That was a big, big, big quote right there. And I'm looking forward to seeing myself. Well, thank you guys. And uh, for more information, we'll keep putting it out. We'll be checking out your guys' event. And um, hope you have you back on the show again after the event. We'll talk about it. Thanks, Jay. All right, thanks, Jay. Thanks, Jay.